We're continuing our sermon series today called The Spirit of Christmas, where we are following that beautiful old story written by Charles Dickens called A Christmas Carol. Last week, we talked about the first ghost that is appearing to Ebenezer Scrooge, the ghost of Christmas past. And in this very classic story, we find that the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future all lead to this story of redemption for this man named Ebenezer Scrooge. The ghost of Christmas past begins to give Scrooge some glimpses that Scrooge doesn't want to really relive, both of his own past and of the ways in which he has lived and maybe giving the why to Scrooge as to why he is the way he is and why things have turned out the way they are. But maybe the reason we start in the past is because it is that glimpse into the why, but also that glimpse into a different kind of future. Maybe one where a past doesn't have to define our future, our past doesn't have to define our present. And so if last week we see Ebenezer Scrooge starting to feel a sense of remorse for his lack of generosity, his lack of of love, his solitary confinement, his um, mistreatment of his employees, we begin to see that for the first time, maybe Ebenezer Scrooge, in seeing the events of his past, feels remorse. And today, we're meeting up with the ghost of Christmas present, who is a little bit more joyful, but also has a very important word for us today, a word that leads to some repentance a journey of repentance for Ebenezer Scrooge. Our scripture today also talks about repentance. It's coming from the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Let's listen for these words that come from the evangelist Mark. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness preaching, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out of him all the people of the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, and he had a leather girdle around his waist, and he ate locusts, also known as bugs, and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We read about a man named John today, and just like the ghost of Christmas present, the Gospel of Mark just gets right to the point. You may have heard me say at the beginning that this is Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Unlike some of our other Gospels that start with the birth of Jesus, the Gospel of Mark starts with John the Baptist and starts with baptism and baptism in the River Jordan. 
You see, Mark's gospel is one that is really action-oriented. It is the shortest of our gospels out of the four. It only has 16 chapters. And Mark is the kind of guy who wants to get to the point. We hear words like immediately or right after um, in, gospel, over, in the gospel of Mark over and over again, signaling to us that Mark has something important for us to see and is important for us to read, and he wants to get directly to it. Well, that's exactly what we find in the ghost of Christmas present in the story of A Christmas Carol. The ghost of Christmas present has a lot that he wants for Ebenezer Scrooge to see. Now, if you have seen any of the movies or images from the ghost of Christmas present, he is much more jolly than the other two. He comes in and there is a feast before him. Everything is glowing and bright and he is joyful. And he gets right to the point with Ebenezer Scrooge and says, come on. I've got things around you, your present, things that are happening right now that I need you to see. First, he shows Scrooge some of the people that are around him that don't exactly have nice things to say about Scrooge. He shows them the implications of the things and the actions that he has had on other people. But then maybe one of the most beautiful scenes in the whole story is when the ghost of Christmas presents takes Um, Ebenezer Scrooge to the Cratchit's house, to the home of Bob Cratchit, his employee, who lives in desperate poverty there with his family. And he shows him what Bob Cratchit's life is like. He shows him what Bob Cratchit's present reality is. In the Gospel of Mark, what we hear is this image of John the Baptist right off the bat We don't get the birth narrative of Jesus. We don't even get the birth narrative of John the Baptist, which happens in our other Gospels as well. Instead, we hear about John at a river. And John gets right to the point and says, prepare the way of the Lord. Remember last week when we read from Isaiah, John quotes Isaiah saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. We see this good news starting with repentance. The good news doesn't start at the manger. The good news instead starts at the river, and the river has this image of repentance. John calling all of the people around him to repentance. Now, it's a subtle um, image here in the first chapter, but you might have heard that they are in the wilderness Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of the wilderness, I think of the wilderness as a desolate and isolated place. But John is saying that all of the people from Judea and Jerusalem are coming to this river, this desolate, isolated place, and they are coming to be baptized immediately, without haste. They know that their life needs to change, and if that change is going to occur, then it must happen today. Last week, we talked about what needs to change for us in this season. And do we have an expectation with all the other expectations we have in this season? Do we have an expectation that something will change for us this year? Today, my question for you is similar. Is it possible for us in this season to have a change of heart? Is it possible for us to have a change of heart? Have you ever had your heart changed about something? 
Now our minds are easily persuaded, but the heart not so much. For our heart to be changed, something must occur. Maybe a few things must occur. And so John is preaching to these people who are coming to the Jordan River to have not only a change of mind, but a change of heart. A change in their everyday, a change in the way in which they live. And we hear those lovely words that John was somebody who ate locusts and wild honey. He lived in the wilderness. He wore these very weird cloths. But what we recognize is that if we are going to have a change of heart, maybe we should look to those that we feel like we should emulate. See, John the Baptist is not just a weirdo in the wilderness who likes to dress in funny clothes and eat bugs. John is emulating a man that gives a depiction of hope. John is the one who is dressing like Elijah in the Old Testament. Elijah was a prophet who brought a message of hope to the people. You see, for John, if we are to have a change of heart, if we are to have a repentant attitude to turn our lives around, the first place to look is maybe to those who are like our heroes. Now, maybe it's important to define what I mean by hero here. I don't mean someone that you maybe see in an action movie or one of our Marvel or DC movies. Oftentimes, heroes are ordinary people who do extraordinary things, but not on their own. They do extraordinary things through faith. Elijah was one of those people. He was one of those people who was ordinary, but God used him to be a messenger of hope. All of this was only possible because of his faith and his faithfulness in God. So John emulates this depiction of hope. I wonder today for us, if we are to have a change of heart, what it looks like for us to emulate those around us who are heroes for us, heroes of our faith. We read about them, we recognize them, we're aware of them, but do we emulate them? Do we look to them and say, how can my actions and my heart be different And where could I start? For Ebenezer Scrooge, it is in the image that he sees outside Bob Cratchit's window. He looks in on this family with a very meager feast on Christmas Eve, but a family that is grateful. And then he sees one of Bob Cratchit's sons, Tiny Tim, who we hear about being someone who is incredibly sick who begins to give words of gratitude in the midst of this feast. And what Ebenezer Scrooge recognizes and realizes is that this, as he says, is a remarkable child. If the ghost of Christmas past gave Ebenezer Scrooge a sense of remorse, it is tiny Tim and the ghost of Christmas present who begins to give him a sense of repentance. He sees a child and says, if this child who has every difficulty in front of him can be grateful today, if this child 
who doesn't know any different, who is living in poverty, who has so many obstacles in front of him, can have a heart that is faithful and grateful. Maybe that means something different for me too. Maybe that means a change in my life as well. The ghost of Christmas present doesn't linger just on that one house, but instead takes um, Ebenezer Scrooge all over town to scene after scene. And what is so interesting about the ghost of Christmas present is that while he is a joyful person, he's also a mischievous person. He begins to give Ebenezer Scrooge this feeling not only of discomfort, but disruption. Makes me wonder today if, if we are to have a change in our heart, if it starts with disruption as well. If it starts with a divine disturbance, you see, because God maybe is calling us to something that's going to make us uncomfortable. A change of heart, as John the Baptist knew, starts in the water. He tells the people to come to the river to be baptized, and he says, I baptize you with water, but there is someone coming who is mightier than me, who I am not even worthy to take off the sandals on his feet. He is coming, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You come into this water when there's just John, but when there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, Will you come back into the water? Will you choose to be changed even if God is troubling the water? I love that, that old spiritual wade in the water. It was sung by those who were slaves as a message of hope that God would deliver them and that God was with them. Wade in the water, children, wade in the water. God's going to trouble the water. If a change in our heart is supposed to come, if a change in our heart will occur, it maybe means that God is going to disturb and disrupt the water around us. There are so many images in our scripture where God is disturbing the water. We read about one of them in the Gospel of John, this water that is often still and smooth, but when it is disturbed, when it begins to be shaken up, they say that people ran to the water to be healed. God is going to trouble the water. The question is for us, will we step in? Will we step in and step out of our comfort zones when God is giving us this divine disruption, this divine disturbance? Because the truth and the reality for us today as we come to the table of communion is that this kind of disturbance in our faith is an act of grace. It is God's grace in our lives, God's gift of grace in our lives to be able to change, to be able to have the free will and the ability to have a change of heart that gives us the opportunity that God has put in before us. I've heard a preacher say once, and you maybe have to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Comfort the disturbed, but disturb the comfortable. 
If there was one phrase that I think that the ghost of Christmas present is trying to do for Ebenezer Scrooge, it is he is disturbing Scrooge's comfort. Disturb the comfortable. Shake them up. Startle them. Challenge them. God's divine disturbance that troubles the water, that shakes things up in our lives is the only way in which we actually find a change in our heart and a change in our lives. There's a sign in my dad's office that I see every time that I walk in. It's actually why I don't go into my dad's office very much anymore um, because it's not a sign that I like to see, but it's often a sign that I need to see. His sign says, faith makes things possible, not easy. Faith makes things possible, not easy. My dad is a person who believes in hard work. He is the one who, as soon as I turned 15, said, what are you doing this summer? I said, I have a very beautiful summer planned that is including donuts and laying by the pool and, and all sorts of things. And my dad went and worked in the oil fields when he was 15 and worked from the sun up to sundown. So, of course, he looked at me and said, you're going to get a job. And if that job is not full-time, you're going to get another job. However many jobs it takes until you're not in my house every day, you're going to get a job. But when I look at that sign in his office, faith makes things possible, not easy. I remember that call in our lives to go back to the river even when it is hard, even when our present situations are difficult, that God meets us there, that God's good news is there. For the gospel of Mark, the good news doesn't start in the manger. Instead, it starts in the wilderness. It starts with repentance, a choice we have every day to emulate Christ, and to let God's divine disturbance shake things up in our lives so that we might have a change of heart. This type of disruption from the ghost of Christmas present is almost too much for Ebenezer Scrooge. He is so disturbed by the end of all of these visits where he sees joy even in sickness and hope, even in poverty. He continues to see all of these situations where people are handling things differently than he has. He sees possibility, but he doesn't quite know how to get there. One of my favorite versions of A Christmas Carol was one we watched on Friday night here in this space. We watched a Muppets Christmas Carol, and it is a beautiful, um, often silly version of this classic, classic tale. And similar to the book and other versions that I have, have watched and read in the past, it was one that I had seen before but hadn't seen in a long time. And I was struck by the song that was sang by Tiny Tim as the ghost of Christmas present brings Scrooge to the window of the Cratchit's house. This is what Tiny Tim says in Muppet's Christmas Carol. 
He says life is full of sweet surprises. Every day is a gift. The sun comes up and I can feel it lift my spirit. It fills me with laughter. It fills me with song. I look into the eyes of love and I know that I belong. Bless us all who gather here, the loving family I hold dear. No place on earth compares with home. Every path will bring me back from where I roam. Bless us all that as we live, we always comfort and forgive. We have so much that we can share with those in need we see around us everywhere. Let us always love each other, lead us toward the light. Let us hear the voice of reason singing in the night. Let us run from anger and catch us when we fall. Teach us in our dreams and please, yes please, bless us, one and all. The ghost of Christmas present reminds us today that repentance, change, change in our hearts, starts not some time in a distant future. It doesn't start in the past. It instead is a possibility for us today. A possibility maybe that is not easy, but a possibility that is faithful. Amen.